and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's your favorite Mexican-American Gemini from South Texas. It's Chibi. And she's the lipstick-loving Salvadorican from Brooklyn, New York. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Write Art Out. What up, everybody? Salutations, world. How are you? Boom. Uh, that is clearly not Raquel this week. She is a little under the weather. Um, so we've got a little substitute. Super excited to welcome Rooster on to Words and Shit this week. Howdy, 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 folks. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Chibi, how are you doing this week? I mean, speaking about under the weather, like, Texas is under attack, y'all. Okay? I realized that, like, the Northeast has been under 47 feet of snow for like six weeks now, but it's fucking cold in Texas. These Northern winds have come to take our soul, Rooster. We don't live like this, Chibi. We are held captive in our homes. We are held captive with our heaters on full blast, with our little blankets and everything. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's all washed up like old abuelitas, just trying to stay warm. We got this little like small ass heater that like we just take from room to room. Like, okay, I gotta go to the bathroom now, take the heater with me. Gotta go to the kitchen now, take the heater with me. Like, I ain't dealing with this. This is not Texas. It's not Texas, but uh, kind of in this same vein of thinking about Texas and how we deal and what we do and what we're here for ultimately, Mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna talk very about one of, in my opinion, Texas's seminal poets in the spoken word scene, mm. someone who's done uh, amazing great things uh, locally, uh, uh, on a local level, on a state level, and even nationally. Uh, we're really happy to have this person here. Mm. Uh, Let's talk about Texas, though. Let's talk, no, not Alexis, Texas. Stop it. <laughs> Let's talk about Texas, though, because, like, there's a lot of poets in Texas. There's a lot yeah. of scenes in Texas. Texas is thriving as a poetic community, but somehow we seem to be overlooked a little. A tad bit. And especially uh, considering the amount, the the breadth of literary voices and talent and publishers uh, that mm-hmm. exist in the state of Texas. Um, por qué? Por qué? Why do you think? I don't, um, where, why do people have misconceptions about the state of Texas? Um, I think people still think it's the Wild West. I think in a very real way, people don't understand that we have very cosmopolitan cities like Dallas and Houston and San Antonio and 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 uh, Austin. Um, I think uh, that we also do have like this very you know wide open space, natural, beautiful side too that's worth writing about. I think in a very real way, people just think that it's all gun toting, uh, horse riding, uh, gun slinging, <laughs> weirdos, and I hate that. You know, and I I think I'm gonna say this. And then maybe because I'm a Texas boy, because I am. But I'm going to say this. I think they low-key jealous. They might be. Of of, of Texas, you know? Because I remember going to Nationals on a regular. And, you know, like, when we show up at Nationals, it doesn't matter if you're San Antonio, if you're Houston, if you're Dallas, if you're Austin, if you're Colleen, if you're Corpus, if you're Laredo. Like, once we show up at Nationals, all of Texas comes together. And we like, we Texas, y'all. And That's everybody right. else is like, yes, they don't know why the stars at night are big and bright. They don't know this. They don't get it. They don't get it. And we are. It's it's one of those things where, like, as vast and diverse as this beautiful state is, we still come together, right? 
uh, and we we still have a, a way of, of celebrating and uplifting every voice. And you can see it in the amount of independent presses that come out of Texas. Absolutely. You I mean, know. you've got groups like Flower Song, Aslan Libre, Ala Brava, Deep Vellum, Deep Vellum uh, so many university publications, uh, Texas State. Um, you also have Texas Tech, Trinity University Press, and of course, 310 Brown Street. <gasps> Which leads us into our feature tonight. Tell us, Rooster. Yes, Christopher Michael has been rocking Texas mics for 20 years. Former president of Poetry Slam Inc., the Texas Poet Laureate nominee, National Poetry Slam finalist, he has shared stages with the likes of everyone from Angie Stone to Eric Benet. I love Eric Benet. Um, he is the founder of 310 Street Publishing, author of three books, and Slam Master for Austin Neo Soul. You can check out his work at uh, MrMichael310.com, 310BrownStreet.com, or his album Nuclear Orange on iTunes, Spotify, and Tidal. So please, everyone in the chats, we hope you're tuned in. Give a warm round of applause and a hoo-hoo for Mr. Michael. Yo, I'm so hyped y'all talking about the greatness of Texas poetry. That's right. How can we not, though? How can we? Why isn't everyone talking about the greatness of Texas I think poetry? People don't understand the vastness of Texas poetry. Like, we have enough poets, and not just poets, but poetry slams to be an entire region unto ourselves. That's why I say I'm from the great nation of Texas, mm -hmm. representing the state of Austin. What? And they, and we did for a time, right? Texas Grand Slam was a thing, and then everybody found out how great Texas Grand Slam wow. was, and they were coming from all over the country to what compete at Texas Grand Slam. Why? Because it's Texas. Because it's a shame. Can we talk about how Glow said the beards in the building? I, what's up, Glow? Mm. Mm. Beard appreciation today. Notice how my beard is glowing. <laughs> See what I did there? I um, had to trim mine up a little bit. Yes. So before we kind of get into the speed dating round, uh, Raquel, you uh, started something this season that we like to ask all our guests. So, friend, before we begin, checking in, how is your heart? My heart? Yeah. How's your heart? Full. It's full. Like I, I mean, granted, all of the stuff that's popping off, I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> I am pretty happy. I'm 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 content with the way things are going in my life. Um, I was really missing. Well, no, I didn't realize how much I miss poetry until someone introduced me to Clubhouse, and now I'm like I'm in Clubhouse every morning for like three or four hours, starting at five a.m. doing poetry. You're sharing poetry on Clubhouse? Yes. Wow. Yeah. Wait, I, I want to know more because like I'm on Clubhouse, but like my introverted self is scared as shit to where like I don't go into any rooms. Like so there's, there's a room called Poetry Palace and I was invited to be one of the moderators. It was started by Crystal Garcia. And there's a bunch of us every morning, 5 a.m. Central Texas time. We are in there doing poems for like four hours. Wow. But, and people jump, come in into the room from all over the world, uh, Africa, UK, Australia, like really branching out. It's dope. It's dope. 
That's amazing. I don't know what your life is like to where you are up and ready to go for poetry at 5 a.m. Central. Well, so I'm a nurse and I got to be at work early. Ah, yeah. Ah, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, we're glad that you're staying up late with us then uh, yes. for a little you are, bit. You will be encroaching on my bedtime. so i'm glad that you are feeling full that you're feeling fantastic i think you know like with all the shit that's going down in the world these days sometimes we can feel guilty about being in a good place but like ain't nothing wrong with that if you are in a good place we're here to celebrate it so there's a lot there's a lot of genuine woe is me situations going on in the world and sometimes i be like feeling bad because i'm doing so well (laughs) that's fine that's fine that's absolutely fine so let's jump into the conversation a little bit we like to kick it off with a segment that we call speed dating where we're going to ask you a series of questions and so that the audience could get to know you a little bit better before we hear your poetry um feel free to answer as concisely or as in-depth as you feel is necessary to answer the question free of my skull for this extra (laughs) Mm. All right. First question. How would your favorite person describe your poetry? Ooh. Um, impactful. Uh, my, my favorite person would, would say I'm the greatest poet in the world. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but my favorite person would say that. All right. That's all good. It's all good. Um, question number two: What song do you currently have in heavy rotation? Ah, I don't have any songs in heavy rotation right now because I am engulfed in either a listening to Clubhouse or b watching <laughs> our illustrious president, former president, being taken down by the knee. So I'm watching. I'm listening to CNN in the car on my way to work and on my. Way. And no I love song. how. I love how it's 24 seven. It's just going and going and going. And all of us are like, yep. 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 Every, I mean, and for the last four years, every day I wake up like, what do you do stupid today? <laughs> and now we don't know. We don't have firsthand account because he has been banned from Twitter for life. Yeah, I, so the downside is not knowing what he's thinking. The upside is the relief of not knowing what he's thinking. <laughs> Totally. It's a double-edged sword. Okay. Next question. Uh, what? <laughs> Sherry wants to know who your favorite person is. You don't have to answer that if you don't want to. That's not part of our questions. Hmm. There you go. That's your answer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Next question. Yes. What is your favorite dish? Pizza. What? Any specific kind of pizza? Uh, I prefer pepperoni and sausage. As I get older, I have to cut back on the pepperoni because the pepperoni comes comes out just the way it comes in. Uh, and I prefer uh, uh, thin, uh, the thin. Yes, thin yes. Crust. Thin crust. All that extra all bread. Right. I don't need all that. Mm-hmm. One word for you, sir. Prilosec. Yes, yes. <laughs> totally. Um, and the last question. What is your number one Pet peeve. I am a basket of pet peeves. Oh, oh! Listen, uh, every every few minutes, I'm like that annoys the shit out of me. Oh, I hate that. Ain't 
all my pet peeves are number one. They are all equal across the board. Okay. It depends on the moment. Depends on what's happening. But I. But what grinds me the most is uh, repetitive sounds, like chewing, clicking, stuff like that. But I think that has something to do with PTSD and like I don't know it's the science behind that triggering. But yes. But I have a lot of pet peeves. Yeah, I, which is probably why I'm single. <laughs> why are you chewing so much? <laughs> that is absolutely valid. Is it safe to assume you're not a fan of alliteration then? The well, I love alliteration. I'm the, okay. No, alliteration is, you know better. Ask me silly questions. <laughs> but it's a repetition of sounds. It, Just, that, somehow that's different. <laughs> All right, I will take it. I will take it. I acknowledge it. Everybody is just going to have to deal with it as it is. Um, so that is our speed dating round. Y'all now know a little bit more about Christopher Michael than you did four minutes ago. Uh, before we get into the poetry audience watching at home, I need you to know that comment section is there for a reason. Okay. Some of y'all are using it. I wouldn't say a little too much because too much is not enough, but some of y'all are using it, but the rest of y'all need to use it. Okay. Use it so that you can interact with us. You can show some love in the comment section. You can ask your questions. As soon as Christopher Michael is done doing poetry, we're going to be asking some questions, but we want to know what questions you have for Christopher Michael. So use it to ask your questions. I, but that I all people's in the audience and I, I know they're going to set me up for something stupid. So mm, we I'm excited bored. for stupid shit. I'm <laughs> all right. That being said, let us now do what we do every week and just hand the show over to you. Please grace us with some poetry. All right. So uh, I, I like to begin by giving God the glory for gracing me with the gift to pick up a pen and write a rhyme and inject it to your mind with line to line of what I'm feeling from time. Giving praise that I'm missing omnipotent potter for placing me the power of speech to command a spoken word, allowing you to enjoy the things you've heard. And finally, finally, I want to thank the father for firmly fixing me in the foundation of his love and favor and for placing on my tongue a most delightful flavor because... The typical tongue tends to tie trying to translate the thoughts of the first twits my temples. Poems so poetically powerful, they pop pimples. Dialogues are delightfully dynamic and deepens dimples. It's simple. Cautious as I creep through the crowd, quietly contemplating the course to capture their collective conscience. So I can concoct, create, and come up with new colorful communication creations so complicated they cause a crown of your crane with convulse. Sending cerebral signals, song with metaphoric messages through membranes, making you salivate to no end until eventually you know you just won't be right to you for stand up and say, yo, read that last line one more again. Hootie hoo! Good morning. Good evening, good afternoon, and good night. My name is Christopher Michael, and I promise you, I will be the dopest poet you ever hear rocking a black t-shirt, wearing a necklace at 1944 Central Texas time on this date. So what I will present to you is a bunch of brand new poems that aren't in any of my books, because I got this new shit I got to get off my chest, and I hope you enjoy it. George Floyd. The usual suspect. Killed for maybe a fake dollar or check. Proof life is not what they respect. Who's next to get a knee in the neck? Black ball player, black ball for taking a knee. Black man loses life when cops take a knee. I can't breathe, mama. I don't want to be another hashtag or halo. I mean, how can one soar to success when they clip the wings of James Birds with Jasper City dragons? We can't even go jogging without buckshots in our belly. They made a meal of Tamir Rice seasoned with hashtags and halos, sprinkled with bullets, smothered in sauteed bloody bodies over BB guns in the park, like the ones Rakia Boyd caught. The only probable cause is systemic 
racism. A new video every week. When they can't pull us out the car in the streets, they deliver hashtags and halos to our couch. No knock means no right to fight back even when they get the wrong house. Black women aren't safe behind closed doors. Not when the bullet has a name on it that looks like yours, Brianna. Taylor made excuses for every murder. She looks suspicious. She fit the description. She was resisting. Sweet salt, we sweetened salty tears with, with Sandra Bland hashtags. Another tragedy to follow. Another suspicious death to, to swallow. It's like they're hungry for more hashtags and halos. King brought us peace and they killed him. Our people pulled themselves up by their bootstraps and they bombed them. Built our own churches and they burned them. They don't see color and we don't see justice. They riot when their team wins. We riot when they slaughter kin. I mean, how can you compare that? I mean, I don't want to. I don't want the flame to catch, but we be barrel of black powder. They be lit match. I believe in peace. I don't want to see my city burn, but we have a right to defend ourselves, and we've run out of cheeks to turn. That is hashtags and halos. This piece. Well, I don't like to tell people the titles of the pieces before I do them because I don't want them to be surprised and figure it out on their own because I think I think my people are smart enough to figure it out. So during my formative figure out what I want to be that I will enjoy and be lucrative and not really considering the financial ramification years, I considered being a biogenetic engineer learn how to splice some genes and get me some superpowers or maybe a cardiothoracic surgeon because that shit sounds like an unnecessarily complicated job title. I knew I wanted to be close to some Star Trek level science like half warrior, half miracle worker, all explore. Turned out the army had what I was looking for. Some people work for a living. I work to keep you living. I serve, I save, I shelter when sick. I am your sword and shield. I've been instructed, trained and educated, certified, licensed and registered. I am teacher, I am caretaker, I am soldier. I am nurse. I'm the foundation of care, I do it all. I'm the Swiss army knife of medical professionals. With God above me, there is no task beneath me. No metaphor in this meaning when I say I will put up with your shit. Wipe your ass when, when your world has wavered. Brush your teeth, comb your hair, shave your face, or wash your nasty balls. Often, too busy to pee, bladder like a camel. I hump these pills from room to room, 12 hour shifts. We don't get to sit. You think my feet were in love the way my arches have fallen. Giving a damn when no one else will. Epic loves of epic levels of empathy, knowing what you need before you do. Teaching wet behind the ears docs, fighting through fatigue, muscling through migraines to perform in pain. I show up. But ain't that what heroes do when you have a cape? Tucked under your scrubs, there's too little room for humility, so you're welcome and thank me very much. When the sanctum of your soul suffers Benedict betrayal, attacked by arthritis, cursed with cancer, I am your comforter. When your family falters, I'll be your, I'll be your side. When your poor choices leave your body a battered battleground of regret, when you become a field of foreign invaders, I will help, I will hold your hand through the fight. I braved Ebola. I, I hung in with, with hugs for HIV. I survived the swine flu, and now I'm certified black belt in COVID karate. When baby Mobley was admitted for failure to thrive, abandoned by his mother, I worked 16 hours a day to literally love him back to life. 
It's a skill to set aside learned behavior, cultural beliefs, prejudices, and political affiliations to, to love a person in need. I'm not judging you. I am clinically assessing you. I see that rebel flag tattoo, but I will not allow that to affect how I care for you. Ma'am, I'm not offended if you, you'd rather I not be in the room. I'm cultured into Christianity, but conversion of religion is not my mission. So I will make sure you know the direction of Mecca and work around all five of your prayer times. I can't get you unlimited lives, but, but I can point to the power ups, help you with the health meter teach you the cheat codes for the game of life. And if your body fails the test, I will bring you dignity and death. My life is love. My job is care. I am nurse. All right, here's a shorty, here's a shorty, here's a shorty. It has been a magical medicinal power to put my parts back to restart protein, carbs, and sugar, the nut, the wheat, and the grape halts my headaches, crushes my cranky, and tantalizes my tongue, the key to which reinstalls a happy belly, all hail the sandwich, peanut butter, and jelly. That poem was a writing prompt from Poetry Palace. You can check it out every day, every morning, in Clubhouse. If you ain't got Clubhouse, you need to get your life together. All right, this is my last joint. Um, I think it's my last joint. They said like 15 minutes or so, but whatever. Um, this poem is dedicated to the social justice warriors. Um, if you are one of those people, then I strongly suggest you listen very carefully to everything in this poem. It's going to be important. Okay. Okay. On the occasion of Superman's 40th birthday, his, his super friends celebrated with a all superstar gala event held at the Hall of Justice. Everyone was there, the Flash, Vixen, Green Lantern, Zantana, Cyborg, Selena Kyle, Jimmy Olsen, and Lois Lane. It was gift opening time and the, the cowled, covered countenance of the bat with black paint to hide his blushing eyes was saving the best for last. Batman reached into his utility belt and, and revealed an inf metal linked necklace with a beautiful emerald colored jewel encrusted pendant shaped like hope, like the emblem emblazoned on Cal L's chest. The jewels were, were so rare, it took five years to find enough of the unearthly rock so Superman could rock this green ice with a smile so wide with pride the Joker would laugh but still be jealous inside. Batman lynches. The necklace of good intentions around Superman's neck, oblivious to the offense that would ensue. Apparently, too weak to speak for himself, Lois jumps in and says, He shouldn't have to explain to you what he's sensitive to. That's what Google's for. Batman stands shook up. I was just trying to be a good friend. I saw nothing on the internet about Superman's historical sensitivity to this particular item. And this is why allies to our cause need to know what the fuck is going on. Of course, they can do some research. Granted, you don't owe anyone an explanation of you or access to you, but you can't expect them to understand if you don't, won't lead them. They can try and digest the contents of a book or some crap-filled, over-opinionated, hack-ass article, but nothing. 
conveys the truth of your story like your mouth, your eyes, your words, and no one is going to be more receptive than someone who doesn't get it but loves you enough to want to know how it makes you feel. So if you're tired of educating the masses to your story, then maybe you've been woke for too long and now you need a nap. Like of sleep can lead to psychosis. You should Google that. Then step aside and let another justice warrior pick up the banner of educating the next squad of good intentions, ready to put in the work, open to change and understanding allies. We need help in the boardrooms, backrooms, golf courses and dinner tables that still won't welcome us, still ain't figured out that the color of our skin or the way we love makes us no less deserving of God's grace and the equality their precious paper has promised. So don't be Batman cloaked in the shadows of ignorance. Don't be Superman. Not everyone can reach you where you're at and don't be Lois Lane. The self-appointed, attention-seeking, internet activist, gatekeeping wolf disguised as ally. Be a super friend. Thank you. Thank you very much. Applause, 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 applause. Yeah, I appreciate it. Love to put it in the comments, y'all. <laughs> hey, hootie hoo in motherfucking deed. Uh, so I want to dive into something real quick. Dive in. Um, dive in. Oh, wait, if you dive in, are you doing uh, uh, are you doing regular boxers or are you doing speedos? Uh, what? No, you I saw it. What do you wear to the, to the pool? Nude beach, man. That's how we Nude roll. beach. Hippie hollow all the way. Word. My bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not um, so let's dive into this because I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to think. And I uh, before tonight, I feel like I've never heard you do a poem about your your day job, as it were. You being a nurse. I have not. I've done okay. poems about, about being a veteran when I was in the military. Mm. But that's my first nurse poem. I've been trying to write it for several years. Mm. Um, a Dallas poet, his name escapes me at this second, wrote a poem dedicated to nurses while he because they took care of him in the hospital. And I'm like, well, damn, I need a nurse poem. So mm. I finally was able to write that one. Well, props to you because it was a fantastic one. Um, and thank you for everything you've been being married to a nurse. Y'all going through some shit. Um, but now everybody knows like, you you do work as a nurse on a regular basis. What has that job in itself has so much that you have to deal with on a regular basis, but these past 12-ish months or so have been something else. What what has that been like, like being a nurse on a military base during COVID? The beginning like? was a little terrifying, mm -hmm. not knowing what was going on. The science was changing, trying to be an advocate for the science and trying to make people understand that, yes, we said this yesterday, but we studied, we learned some new stuff. Now today is the best way to do it. And then tomorrow it's gonna change again. The more we know, the better we can act. But people just look at it like, oh, they don't know what's going on. Oh, it's a conspiracy, they're lying. So dealing with the virus was just as harrowing as dealing with people's lack of trust slash willful ignorance. 
Definitely. And um, I think that's kind of staying on that, but sort of switching gears just a little bit. I know that it's completely changed how, you know, we as performers, we as writers get to even engage with public spaces and now it's all virtual. How have you kind of navigated that? Oh, man. Oh, funny story. I told the boy, I'm on the board of Austin Poetry Slam. I've been going hard for 20 years. Um, non-stop poetry and it just kept adding up. Like I was, I was Neil Austin Neil, so Austin Poetry Slam, Colleen Poetry Slam, the the Youth Slam in Austin, they speak, the National uh, Poetry Slam, I was on the, the, the board of, of Poetry Slam Incorporated and I was doing some of that stuff all at the same time and completely burnt out. So mm -hmm. I told my board January, I was like, I'm taking a break. I'm not coming back till April. And then as soon as I said it, the whole world shut down. So I figured if, <laughs> if I can't do poetry, can't nobody do poetry. <laughs> Definitely. No, um, and, and like, for sure, like I know exactly what you mean. Like in my own way, it was like, I do a lot in the community. I do a lot of writing and so on and so forth. So like when COVID hit, it took like a couple months of just like, I don't want to do anything. Like. It, like since there's no shows and there's nowhere to be, it's just like, I'm gonna kind of just sit with myself for a little bit. So it kind of sounds like it was also that. Cause I know like, I've been doing this about 10 years and I know like coming in, seeing you as someone who was like a leader, very disciplined, always going to, you know, the, the mic and taking it very seriously, performing like everywhere all the time, driving all over Texas. I guess my question is pre COVID, what was your favorite place to perform? Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so, on the spot. <laughs> actually, so it depends on how you want to gauge it. I mean, because clearly Austin Poetry Slam, because I was there three, four times a month, every single month, year in, year out. Um, but my my favorite is place to perform too. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a tie. Uh, Fly Poets in L.A. Mm. and uh, the Drunken Retort in um, is it is it Michigan? Is it Wisconsin? I think it's Michigan. The people from Drunken Retort know where they're at. It's up there, up north. Though, because they, they had they just had the best audience and the best responses, and and the people in Fly Poets were just you you'd say something half ass dope, and they'd be like, "Oh my God, it's the end of the world! That was the greatest thing ever!" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good." Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that. I feel that. Let's bring it back to Texas, though, for a second, because like like you mentioned, you know, like you you've been active in the poetry scene here. You know, Austin Poetry Slam, Neo Soul, Killeen. You mm -hmm. featured in San Antonio. You featured in Houston. You featured in Dallas. I don't know if you went to Laredo, but that's OK. It's well, fine. Laredo. Oh, yeah. Southwest Shootout. Southwest. South by Southwest. Yeah. yeah. Southwest Shootout. There you go. Southwest Shootout. So, yeah all over Texas uh, for a while now. So to go back to the conversation that Rooster and I were having before we brought you on, why do you think that Texas is so uh, underrated or overlooked as hey. a literary mecca? Hey. hey. Give me more. I think it, so, so the problem is spoken word and slam does not is is either does not translate well or is not appreciated in the literary literary realm, and most of us, our focus is on spoken word and 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 slam. 
So maybe there's a disconnect with us to the literary world. Now, when it comes to poetry from all the other uh, the poetry and spoken word and slam in the rest of the country, they recognize and they, they appreciate us when they see us coming. They either show us love or show us that 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 low key hate uh, that like respectful hate because they know we're good. Um, so the, the disconnect might be us, which is one of the which was one of my goals in, in starting 310brownstreet.com was to be able to translate spoken word poets onto the page mm. and format their writing in such a way where people would get an idea of what the person was saying on, on stage or where their dramatic pauses were. So um, I think it's hate. But then again, we might just, we're so large and spread out that going from one end of Texas to the other is like going from one end of the country to the other. So we might just focus on ourselves a lot more too. Definitely. No, absolutely. Um, Cause you kind of brought it up and because it's, I think it's really remarkable. You founded and started 310 Brown Street mm -hmm. and there's a lot of Texas poets in, on, on the imprint. Um, I guess my question is like, I've seen like your own books. I've seen a lot of the first early works. Like where do you think it goes from here? And shout out to Sunny Cause I know she's got a book coming out soon. Sunny had a book coming out and Sunny, Sunny is my, my editor. And yeah. my, my PR person for, for 310 Brown Street. So yeah, I love you, Sunny. Brown Street day one. So yeah. So what we what, what was the question? Oh, so the question was like, you know, where 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 do you I see you talked about how like connecting the spoken word realm to more of like the literary realm, um, putting poets' words, you know, that, that are typically meant for the stage onto the page. And mm -hmm. I think that's the admission. I guess what I'm saying is or asking is what's the next phase? Do you see yourself expanding outside of Texas more? Do you see yourself maybe refocusing on new and up and coming Texas poets? Like, what do you think? So you talk about me in general, not tech, not poets in general, but where yeah, I'm just on Brown Street, like specifically. Yeah, man. You know what? So honestly, I was I was I was ready to pull 310 Brown Street back. But then Clubhouse popped up and then people started buying books all of a sudden. I had a whole new audience. So mm -hmm. I'm actually rethinking what I want to do. I, I know there's um, uh, Sonny's book is about to come out, which I, I kind of thought might be the last one. But now there's a youth organization that's going to do a, a, a anthology. So it, it might just be picking picking back up again. So I, I'm not 100 percent sure. But just when I think I want to stop, I get a tap on the shoulder. Be like, nah, you ain't ready. <laughs> so it's a continuing process you know like as you continue to discover new things and new people to showcase is yeah, what I'm so, gathering. So one of the things I've learned in life in general being almost a half a century is that it, if you're prepared you, you will be prepared you have you, you've honed your skills you've got the talent you've done what you needed to do and don't know what's next but when what next comes up you're ready and it's surprising because there's there's been several occasions where I said, OK, I'm done or I need to take a step back from this, this and this so I can just relax. And as soon as I do that, then, then more opportunities flood and I seemingly never get to rest because yeah. I make room for one, make room thinking I'm making room for myself and then something else comes in. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, just how difficult is that for you kind of personally doing 
the the publishing side of it and wanting that to do really well, but then also your own performances, writing, practicing. Because you like for people, if there's anyone uh, watching tonight who does not know, Christopher Michaels is on his shit. Like, <laughs> so like, if, if there is money on the line, Christopher Michael will be there to take that money. No, I don't even think that. I think he will he will bust your ass at like a kid's bar mitzvah. He is not <laughs> like he will come prepared to rock the room. So, um, I, I please ask the question again. <laughs> oh, yeah. The question was, the question was uh, I guess, like, you know, how, like, how do you uh, uh, juggle that? Or how does juggling all Okay, those- here's my answer. There ain't nothing else. Uh-huh. It's work, it's poetry. Like, Corona, COVID helped make room for me to do other uh, adventures in my life. Like I started a firearm safety company. Um, I'm I'm a professor at the local college. So that's freed me up. But as far as the 20 years of, of poetry that I've been doing, that's that's it. That's that's all there was. So um like I think um you'll see a lot of people who who aren't as successful in relationships. Um, like they might be married and the marriage is not working out because they spend so much time at work instead of with their family. Well, I'm that guy. It's all poetry all the time. Mm. Unless I'm watching Star Trek. (laughs) Okay, wait. So before I get to my question, because there was a question from the audience uh, and they wanted to know Star Trek or Star Wars? Star Trek. Yes. Star Trek. Star Trek Trek is the foundation for all. Star Trek is the foundation for for all um, reasonably good science fiction. I don't include uh, Doctor Who, even though Doctor Who started before Star Trek and is the longest running sci-fi series, longest running TV show of all time. I don't include it because it's so much different than Star Trek. Star Trek is science fiction. Doctor Who is is sci-fi fantasy. So... Mm. Okay. okay. Thank uh, you for joining us because that was great. We gotta end this now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is there, Scully. <laughs> there is freedom of speech in this country. However, you are not free from consequences, sir. Okay. Hey, Mecca Miles, it's alliteration. That's my favorite device. Okay. Boom. Well. There you go. Um, all right. So I was gonna get to that one eventually. But let me ask you, okay, so let's talk about your poetry real quick. Um okay. so Anyone who's ever seen you perform, even if they just saw you perform tonight, know that your performance of your poetry is so much part of your poetry, right? Mm -hmm. You bring a lot of theatrical elements into it. You have a number of persona pieces where you take on characters. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, how does the performance influence your writing or is it completely separate? Does the writing happen first and then the performance? Uh, they it, they go hand in hand. Okay. Like the character develops as I'm writing. Um, the more I read the poem, it, it, it tells me how to perform it. Then when I get on stage, I adjust it. So um, I, I can't think of anything else other than they, they influence each other. Because sometimes I may want to go in, but like, uh, like I specifically set out to write a poem about uh, uh, personifying an actual prison. So it had to be creepy, it had to be disgusting. Um, and that's how the writing the writing took me. Okay. 
And and I guess a follow up question for that, um, being that you are such a very uh, uh, I don't even know, like a multi-tool performer. Like, I guess that would be the way, best way to put it. Because there's some poets who can just, they have a voice. They just have a sort of natural presence on stage. Then you have some poets who can do voices. You have some poets who can do funny, um, you know, some poets who can do nerd. And you kind of are just this multi-tool uh, uh, performer that I that I find really interesting. I guess my question is, is what in the process of poetry, do you appreciate more like the craft, like, oh, this is gonna get them when I do this, or just being on the stage and then like executing those those ideas? Uh, I, what I appreciate the most is the writing. Like I like dope writing. Um, I, I've seen some incredible performers. I'm like, mm, but she didn't say nothing. Mm. Or uh, I've seen some people who just kind of drab in their delivery, not really entertaining, but I'm like, Damn, I wish I had thought to write that. So it's it's the writing for sure. Now, um, I just flat out enjoy being on stage. When I, when, when I want the spotlight, I know that I have the power to take the spotlight. Um, so, I, I mean, I greatly enjoy that. I don't, I don't always consider myself a poet as much as I am an entertainer. And poetry is just the tool that I've been most effective at entertaining. Okay. I like that. You know, an entertainer over a poet. This is just your medium in which you entertain. Let's dive into the poetry a little bit more because before we segue back, because the audience wants to know more about your love of all things nerd. Um, you've been doing this for a while, right? Uh, like we said, Neo Soul, Austin Poetry Slam, Killeen, working with the youth, not just performing, but also coaching, president of Poetry Slam Incorporated. Like, you've got chops, right? Mm -hmm. What do you really think about poetry? <laughs> Speechless. <laughs> it's a good question. I don't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so don't get me wrong. So when I'm, I'm listening to a poet, I'm, I am entertained. I am rocked. I do love the mastery of, of wordplay. I really do. But when people say, so who's your favorite author? I'm like, what books you reading? Like, who, who influenced you? Hmm. So I, I'm, so I, I don't, I'm a publisher, I write books, but I don't pick up books and this and and just, oh, I really enjoy reading this. I I I don't. And see, I think that's something that I just find really fascinating because I'm like the opposite. Like I love poetry and all of its machinations, and I like have books and I like and, and stuff like that. But you're not the first person who's told me that either, that it's like, well, I enjoy the entertainment, and I like writing, and like I think both are totally valid and exist and, and, and are important. Um, but I guess kind of expanding it a little further, because you've had so much, not just on the, the creative side of, of poetry and the stage side of poetry, but you've had so much in like behind the scenes with like being a, a president of National Poetry Slam, uh, uh, Austin, Neo Soul, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what do you think that poetry could really benefit from either locally statewide or nationally like what do you think well 
the thing the thing that would benefit poetry and mainstream it is the same thing that uh, uh, woke poets run from, and that's commercialization. Mm-hmm. That's uh, commercial sponsorship. Like one of the reasons that Poetry Slam Incorporated failed is because for so many years the poets resisted commercial um, sponsorship. Like the poets were funding Poetry Slam when the poets should have been entertaining the people and the people and the companies should have been supporting Poetry Slam. So um, it's not going to blow up big unless somebody with some big money can make some money off of us. And we're willing to let that happen and smart and master enough to take as much advantage of them as they try to take of us. Mm. Real talk, real talk. One of the things that my mother always said was the problem with the arts is there's too many artists involved and not enough business people, finance right. people, marketing people. That was yada, another yada, yada. downside to Poetry Slam Incorporated. Us poets who are entertainers and artsy ass writers are trying to run a board when it should have been lawyers, businessmen, um, okay. uh, politicians, like people who who have the chops to run a business and let us do the entertaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me go back to my question then, because I feel like when I when I asked this, what do you think of poetry? It was like poetry with a capital P, right? Poetry in 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 academia, poetry in books. Mm-hmm. So let's separate poetry and spoken word because you've given us your thought on poetry. Um, what? How do you really feel about spoken word and the state that spoken word is in now that live shows? I, I mean, I mean, I, I, love, I love spoken word hands down. I mean, uh, I love what I love being a part of it. I love what it's done for me. I love what how it makes me feel. Um, there are some poets out there who are still trying to hustle and make stuff happen. Um, Masterpiece in Dallas. Uh, Michael Gwynn is still doing shows all up in the, the, the North Dallas area. Um, hell, me and Masterpiece are going to Panama in June to perform. Um, there's Cat. Uh, Cat uh, uh, is doing a, a slam, a, a, a regular slam on Instagram. So people are finding ways to make this, to make it happen and using the technology that's available for us. But by and large, Corona has killed us because we're not in the same room performing for each other and performing for other people. Like I, I only, I wrote one poem after I, after I took a break and that was the, the George Floyd hashtags and halos poem. And I didn't write again. I didn't start writing again until last month when clubhouse, when I got in the clubhouse <laughs> and I got to get fed by other poets. I mean, the, the poetry palace is, 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 is putting, putting, putting poetry in a brother's mouth and I'm loving it. Mm. I think that's a big thing with, with the spoken word community as it is, is that it is a community, you know, mm-hmm. we, we feed each other yes. constantly. And that has been um, hard to come across when we can't commune mm-hmm. as it were. But uh, you mentioned some really great names of people that are, that are still trying to put things together. Um, uh, Sonny mentioned Essie says, who's, who's been doing the show yes, on Twitch on a regular show. Wonderful. Yeah. 
Yeah, on Twitch. Yes. Yeah. And I think that was definitely one of the purposes of this show specifically, which was to like bring poets together with their community as much as possible. You know? So Austin Poetry Slam teamed up with uh, Mike Henry, the previous Slam Master, mm-hmm. and uh, we we we're doing Poetry Slam, but we pre-recorded our poems, and then they're going to be shown at a drive-in theater, and then the people at the theater are going to grade the poems. It would have been this Wednesday, but you know Texas can't function if it gets below <laughs> thirty degrees. So no, we cut it down. But so <laughs> people are trying to figure out ways to make it happen. Yeah, and poets are nothing if not creative. Like we find ways to adapt. Absolutely. And, and, and shout out to SC. Shout out to everyone who's been creating their platforms on their own. I mean, I've seen it all. I've seen Zoom slams. I've seen like all types of things just popping up left and right. Um. Um, Dallas, Dallas Poetry Slam. Dallas Poetry Slam has not stopped since Corona hit. They were doing drive-in poetry. Candy yes. was, Candy had, uh, I did a feature at Candy's spot in Dallas and she had uh, mic condoms for each poet. She had a plexiglass shield in front of the poet. Everybody had to wear masks. So people making it happen if they really want to. Straight up. Shout out to Candy too. Like she been she another like go ahead and make it work type person. She's she's super hustle. Yes. Mm-hmm. We have two questions in the comment. I was like, Doc asks, would you still write if you had no audience? And Sonny with a follow-up says, Would you still write if you didn't have other poets? Mm. Ooh. So so yes, because long before I did poetry, I was writing. I was writing comic book characters and creating different worlds. So I was writing and I still found an audience. I, you know, if I was dating somebody or I called my mama, so I would find an audience. Um, but yes, I would still create even if I didn't have an audience. My response to the, the question about what if I didn't have any poets, I don't know because I don't write for the audience anymore. I write to impress other poets. Mm. So they, they're my audience. They're the people that matter the most to me. If they not, if I don't get no mm from a poet or damn from a poet, my shit wasn't good enough. Yeah, no, that's real. That's real. And then we have one other question in the comment that I think is really good from Mary Ruiz. Do you have any advice you would give a business person who wants to approach the artist world from the outside of it? recognize that we are sensitive as fuck. (laughs) Sensitive. You got to approach us with kid gloves when it comes to, and you got to be careful how you manage, like, like there is a need to adjust your art a little bit and for for the audience. And it is, it takes a particular skill to Mm -hmm. do that. I know how to write to please everybody as it were or to make sure nobody has anything sideways to say about what I said, that it wasn't factual. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to be careful with approaching them on how you talk to them and their actual art. Mm. And don't come to them talking about you're going to pay them an exposure because people die of exposure every day. <laughs> Let's be real. Let's be real about that. That part, Simply Tree says. Um, let me ask actually i don't want to ask this i'm gonna let rooster ask this because rooster lived in colleen for a while um and you kind of alluded to this new hobby that yeah let me just jump right in so you're starting a gun control safety gun safety class safety class and you are very pro-gun very you know adamant about this Mm -hmm. is this 
because you live in Colleen, because I have lived in Colleen and it may be pro-gun because, man, it is, it, yo. Well, no, I, I mean, I don't think Colleen is any different than any Texas city. That's um, true. And uh, I'm pro-gun, I'm pro, I've never been anti-gun. Mm. Um, I'm pro-gun because I enjoy them. It's, it's, it's a hobby. I go to the range. I, I, I practice shooting. Um, I'm, 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 uh, I became, I'm a nationally certified instructor. I'm working to get my Texas license certification. You got to actually get licensed in Texas to be an instructor. Um, once I get that, I'll be good to go. And it, it's just important to me that if people are going to have possession of a weapon, that they know how to handle it, that they, they understand what they're doing. And I want people people who are scared of them to, you can stay scared of them, but at least have the knowledge of, of, of what hurts people um, and, and how to actually handle it. And, you know, I was, I was in the military for, for several years. So mm. did you grow up with guns? Like, cause some people that's no. why they're that. Okay. That's interesting. No, I didn't purchase my first uh, pistol uh, till about, uh, I don't know. Cause you bring up, I've, I've seen you, you like on Facebook threads sometimes talking about it, and it's a very you bring a very pro gun attitude in spaces that are not pro gun, but at the same time, I think you you yeah. <laughs> CHL, check it out. That thing on them people, remember that. Michaels, that's the. That's the <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like, I, and then this is just a really fascinating thing because I mean, I think you know sometimes. And you brought it up a little bit when you were talking about like woke culture a little bit that sometimes in poetry scenes, we have to kind of think outside the box. We have to think in different, uh, we have to leave space for just different ideologies. And I know sometimes, uh, uh, especially with, with poets and how we act and we think about things, there's a lot of spaces that are anti-gun. I'm anti-gun, I don't like guns, but at the same time, I respect other people who are pro-gun and respect you know, what they have. Um, I hope they don't have more guns and teeth, but that's just my- <laughs> Well, I I appreciate that your your focus too is definitely on like gun safety and using guns responsibly. Um, I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but Derek Brown once said, "I now know why people in Texas are so nice to each other. It's because it's so easy to shoot someone in the face if they're not." A well-armed society is a polite society. <laughs> well, thank you for doing your part in making sure that not are they well-armed, but well-knowledged and 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 responsible and doing that shit safely. I, I just want I just want my people to be safe. That's all. all right. Well, let's dive into let's dive into the meaty subject. Okay. Oh, oh wait, that wasn't okay. That was no, that, that, that right. wasn't meaty. That wasn't meaty at all. Let's dive into the real questions here. It is no secret that you are a superhero nerd. Okay. So before <laughs> we dive into the minutia of it all, which is one of my favorite words in the English language, minutia. Um, big picture. DCU V MCU. Oh, so here's my full answer. DC Comics is far superior in their characters and their character development. Marvel is colorful, pretty dope. Flip that. MCU is phenomenal. 
bar none, nothing and no one is coming close to the magnitude and complexity that, that, that Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing. The DC Universe, never heard of it. <laughs> Especially now that MCU got that Disney money. Mickey Mouse, Man, they're killing it. They're yeah. killing it. Um, who out of DC and Marvel, though, do you think has made the worst movie? Like, top three. Top three is worst it, comic movies. Is it the remake of Fantastic Four? I don't know. Which one? What do you think? Was saying? it Justice League? <laughs> Is the Snyder Cut going to save everything? Getting, <laughs> so, questions. The worst superhero movie in modern times. This will be the first and last time I even acknowledge its existence. Green Lantern. Ooh, really? Even worse than Ghost Rider's Spirit of Vengeance? <laughs> Green Lantern was hot garbage. I'm so <laughs> disgusted. At how bad they did Green Lantern. So <laughs> disgusting. Okay. Doc, a question for us here. What hero or villain do you think would be a dope poet? I, uh, I want everyone to answer that question, that, uh, actually. Uh, Azria, uh, Madrizar. Is it Madrizar? I think it is, yes. The demon? Yeah. He, he would be, he, he can't, he always talks in poetry. So, yes, it would be him. What do you think, Chibi? I'm going to go with Deadpool because that would be some funny-ass shit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be three minutes of spoken word comedy gold. Yeah, I can see that. Mm, Bruce? I, ah, damn. I did not have an answer prepared. I, uh, I would say, like, Ghost Rider, only because not only does he have his own personal demons that will make good like poetry, but he like with the penance stare, he's got other people's demons that he can write and use to write poems. I see what you're doing with that. Yeah. You got a lot of pain to build off of. Yeah. Also, you got to give it up for Zantana. That's true. That's true. Yeah, Zantana is for show. For show, for show. Okay, so we we see what's happening with MCU. WandaVision is kicking off the next phase. Like, uh, we can have a moment for WandaVision. Okay. <laughs> also, not cool what you did on Facebook last week. What are you talking about? Episode, you know? Oh. Was it? I'm pretty sure it was you who was like, I just want to appreciate the silver episodes. What did that mean? I was just trying to be. I was just trying to put something up real quick. I see you. Spoilers. Um, but we see what MCU is doing. We see where they're heading. The crossovers are happening. Every, you know, fanboy and fangirl's dreams are coming true. Mm -hmm. Is there hope for the DCU? If they get some new directors. Mm -hmm. And they get some directors. Stop cutting corners. Stop trying to compete with Marvel. Do their own thing. And they capitalized on Batman. The, the Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, that trilogy was incredible. But they tried to re reproduce it in Superman. Superman ain't dark. Superman is bright, cheery. He's, he's, he's a Boy Scout. And to make him anything else, it's trash. It's trash. And you can't make all the characters dark. They, they're bright and cheery. They don't kill people. I mean, Batman should be killing people, but not everybody else. 
All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. You heard it here, folks. There might be hope, but not from what we've seen so far. <laughs> Zack Snyder. We'll, let's revisit this after the Snyder cut. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that uh, that Edward Cullen Batman movie that's coming out. What's his name? Yeah. Pattinson. From Twilight? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Joker. What, you know what? I'm not going to clown him because I thought Ben Affleck was a horrible choice for Batman, and he's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. I love Dark Grizzle Batman from Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. There's something about, you know, like the post-hero heroes, you know, kind of like what we've, I think they tried to do with Bond for a moment there, this like later in life hero mm-hmm. sort of thing. I heard rumors that, uh, este, como se llama? Um, Batman Beyond? No, Michael Michael Keaton was Michael. maybe coming back to do yeah. like a Batman in his 60s sort of thing. Well, he would, and, do bat- he would be, he would be uh, it would be Batman Beyond. He would be Bruce Wayne in the cave guiding the kid with the new bat suit is what mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, I'm for that. I'm, I, yeah, I'm not mad at that. Yeah. Please give me that. Yes. yes. Michael Keaton, my other favorite. He was, that was one of the best Batman. Underrated now. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton can do no wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, that is true. All right. <laughs> All that being said, this has been a phenomenal hour of conversation. And I feel like we have not just gotten to know you a little bit better, but all of us are a little bit wiser about the world because of this. So thank you for spending this hour with us, Christopher Michael. I have immensely enjoyed it. I love the question and answers. (laughs) Well, question and answers is done. And now if you could please close this out with one more poem. Okay. My pleasure. For the poets. Dear poet, as much as you make your poems about you, they never will be. They will always be about the effect they have on the reader or hearer. Be careful because you can make the listener the doer of your words. You are the correspondent of this community. So speak truth. And when the father forces you to function in the favor he's fixed you in, fantastic fortune follows and falls at your feet. Speak. And there will be there will be a sea of similes setting at the shore of your tongue. The almighty mother of life will move mountains of metaphors out of your mouth in moments you don't even know you're prepared for. You will turn post-traumatic stress disorder into poems that stop death because poets turn struggle into dreams. Realize, know that PTSD are just more letters for you to ladder your way to possibilities, transcending suicide, domestic violence, and people's toxic self-destruction. You will be able to marry Poppins pain and truth into a spoonful of sugar. People will listen to you even when they have been built walls along the borders of their hearts. You will open doors when you shine your rhymes. Your, your writing will harry Tubman someone to freedom. Your mouth will Michelle Obama someone's backbone. Your experience, your vision, your art, your heart will Oprah Winfrey in front of millions. Your success will Macy Jemison out of this world. Gravity will not contain you, but you will. Nikki Giovanni bind your words into books. And after you, Angela Davis, the next revolution, children will speak your name. Study your words and recite your work. Your voice will command attention. Your presence will grab the spotlight, but it will never be about you. So 
Don't dim, don't dare dim your pen or mute your muse for no man or woman, not the last X or the next, you are blessed. Purge your pain on page and leave it for the world to learn from your mistakes. You can't beacon in a storm if you hide your light. You don't know what hurricane the reader needs to, the, the, you don't know what hurricane the reader needs to be sheltered from, be the warning and the calm after the storm. If life and death is in the power of the tongue, then you, you, you brilliant human are weaponized wordsmith with a velvet voice. If, if God spoke the universe into existence, then you, you are an architect, construction worker, a bulldozer, a wrecking ball, jackhammer, glue gun, cement mix, a bricklayer, a needle and thread, a gardener, a god in the earth, and you can manifest anything you can shape with your mouth, but do not take this power lightly. The tongue is a double-edged sword. More dangerous than Excalibur, the sword of omens, a blazing sword, a spear in the side of Messiah, a fat man, a little boy, a badge and a gun, an infinity gauntlet, or any other fantastic weapon the human mind can manifest, fact or fantasy. But this, this be a burden. So before you dabble in this art, know that creation is God work and true poets wield words with the weight of the universe. Now go write something, poet. I dare you. Who do you? Christopher Michael, everybody. Christopher motherfucking Michael. Damn, amazing, says Mary, Mary Reese. Uh, if you all are interested in Christopher Michael and getting more of Christopher Michael's work, you can totally do that at www.310brownstreet.com. Uh, follow on social media, Mr. Michael 310. And uh, if you just want to send the guy uh, some money because you're like, that was dope-ass poetry and you're a dope-ass human being, you can do so via Venmo. Mr. Michael 310 or Cash App 310 Brown Street. Um, thank hey, listen, you, sir. Uh, yeah. I know, hey, I would love for y'all to send me money, but whatever money you send me, I'm just gonna turn around and give it to somebody else. I'm gonna I'm gonna tip a waitress, I'm gonna give it to another poet, give it to somebody for a competition. So um hook hook a brother up and I'm just gonna turn around and hook somebody else up because I'm good. I'm pretty there you go. There you go. I, I feel like that happens a lot in the poetry community where it's like, I'm going to buy your book, but you're going to buy my book. So why don't we just swap sort of thing? Now, if you really want to give me some money, buy these books. <laughs> I'm keeping yeah. that. <laughs> I'm keeping all that money. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Mr. Michaels. It is a pleasure to explain a little bit. Uh, round of applause one more time for uh, Christopher Michaels, a dynamo aware of many hats. Uh, so literally much. and figuratively literally and, yes thank you so much for being here farewell absolute pleasure um chibi how do you feel oh uh, rooster how do you feel i'm great i'm glad i got to sit in on this one i i i mean like i said for the 10 years i've been doing this like Christopher Michaels has been always at the head of the class in one way or another as just a very uh, intrepid, you know, uh, dynamo of a, of a person, performer and, and professional. And yeah, like you learn a lot just watching him and seeing his work, which is interesting to, you know, pick his brain and learn some more. So I'm, I was happy to be here. Yeah, um, I think if there's a, like one word that we can kind of like, that I would like sum, sum up 
not just tonight's conversation, but Christopher Michael in general, and that would be cinematic. Mm, I think if I would sum it up in a word, I would say enterprise. Oh. He is a walking enterprise of professionalism and like and many hats, like always doing something. And especially with 310 Brown Street, I think it came out at a really good time to put uh, uh, local poets who maybe don't know how to get published, don't know how to navigate that world. Like he just kind of raised his hand and was like, I got something and people came. And that's mm -hmm. really what poetry communities need a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And not just individual poets, but he's been one who has done a number of uh, Texas anthologies through mm -hmm. 310 Brown Street, just celebrating Texas poets throughout. So highly encourage everybody that's watching, everybody that's listening, uh, go go on to, you know, 310brownstreet.com. Take a look at the work that's on there. Get you some. Get you some. Just get you some. All right. <laughs> so thank you to Christopher Michael. And let's thank some people and get on out of here because it's cold and I need some alcohol to warm my bones. So thank you to the audience who has tuned in tonight. Y'all have been hella interactive and fantastic. So thank you for being here with us. And thank you to our production assistant, Dominique, as well as Chris Condé, who produced our uh, theme song. Yes, and be sure to follow us on all our socials. You can find Words and Shh on IG, on Twitter. Be sure that if you follow us on YouTube, uh, that you like and subscribe so that uh, you can catch past episodes and, you know, catch the next ones when they come up. Mm -hmm. You can always go back and watch them on YouTube, Words and Shit, or you can listen to them wherever you get your podcast because some people just want to, like, pop that shit while they're in traffic. Uh, so go back. We've got something like 30... 40 episodes uh, up on YouTube and on our podcast. So follow us on Words and Shit. Rate, like, review us. Do whatever you need to do so that we can get on out there and come back next week. Why? Come back next week because we have an amazing poet from Chicago, Jose Olivares. Uh, I'm very excited for that one. It's going to be a really good show. Um, thank you all so much. Thank you, Chibi. Thank you, Dominique. Thank you to Chris Condé and Christopher Michael. Um, that is all for us tonight. Peace, y'all. Blessings. Y'all stay safe out there for multiple reasons right now. Definitely. Adios.